Thank you, Ethan. Thank you, Abby. Good to see you tonight playing. Appreciate that. And uh, appreciate all the music that was done this morning. What a blessing that was. Again, we're glad to see everybody here tonight. If you have a Bible, I would encourage you to find the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter number 7. Book of Ecclesiastes, chapter number 7. Find that place in your Bible this evening. And uh, good to see Miss Daisy here this evening. We're letting everybody know about her son, Junior, who was in the hospital this past weekend with the collapsed lung and all that he was going through. He's home now. He's resting. And uh, continue to keep him in prayer. And uh, Miss Daisy, we're praying for you here. If you need anything, let us know. And um, I told him I'd, if he was still in the hospital, I'd bring him a pizza on Monday. So tell him the pizza only counts for the hospitals. He's not getting a pizza tomorrow. I'm not delivering one. So that's, that's offers off the table. Amen. But if he really wants one, I'll bring him one. I can come down there maybe uh, while everybody's in school and knock some sense into him. If that's, if that's okay with you. Book of Ecclesiastes, chapter number 7. We are studying the Word of God tonight, and we want to get something from it. Book of Ecclesiastes is written for a purpose. Anything that's in your Bible, God wrote it there so that we can learn something to, to better encourage us and challenge us in our Christian walk. And the book of Ecclesiastes can be a dark book in the sense that he's uh, the writer, King Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, has begun a mission. And he starts off looking for purpose in life. And he's looking for purpose in life as if, if there is no God. What purpose to life is there if there is no God? And he, and he uses the expression life under the sun, S-U-N. What, what, why are we here and, and what's purpose to all the toil, all the struggle? Uh, we go through this life and then we eventually die. What, what, what have we accomplished? Because everything we, we built, we leave behind to somebody else and they tear it down and, and there's nothing left. And so he's going on this journey and uh, he has uh, taught us quite a bit about life and the things in life that we see going on around us. Last Sunday night in verse number 1 of chapter 7, uh, Solomon says a good name is better than precious ointment and the day of death than the day of one's birth. And we spent some, quite some time on this. And what Solomon is teaching us here and what the Lord wants us to know is that it's important for us to have a good name. At the end of the day, all you have is your name. You can have a lot of money, you can have a lot of wealth, but at the end of the day, all you have is your name. And when you die, all they put on your tombstone is your name, even if you get that. Today they... they cremate people and scatter them to the winds and you never know where they are. They're just gone. But you have your name and when your name, no matter who you are, even here tonight, you sitting here, those on the internet, uh, when somebody hears your name, a thought comes into their mind of who you are and the person you are. And Solomon says a good name is better than precious ointment and the day of death and the day of one's birth. Now again, that may seem like a dark statement, but it's not. He's letting us know that the day you're born, all you get is a name. That's all you have. You have nothing to talk about. This is my son. His name is so-and-so. Isn't he cute? Yes, he's adorable. That's it. The kid hasn't done nothing. He's just laying there and soiling his diaper, and that's, that's all he does. And you feed him, and then he so. But the day of your death, when you grow up, you live your life, and, and then eventually you die, which happens to all men, He's saying that people will talk about you and what your life was and what you did and what you accomplished. This is my mother. My mother was a great woman. My mother did this. This is my father. This is, this is my brother. My brother was this, this. And we took all the, the things they did, the blessings. And hopefully we have a good name. That when the day comes when we do pass on, people say, this is so-and-so. And, and, and good things will be said about us. And Solomon goes on to encourage us here about our life and, and what we do in life. And in verse number 7, where we pick up, where we left off last week, he says in verse number 7, Surely oppression maketh a wise man mad, and a gift destroyeth the heart. Better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof, and the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Be not hasty in thy spirit to be angry, for anger resteth in the bosom of fools." Say not thou, what is the cause that the former days were better than these? For thou dost not inquire wisely, 
concerning this. Let's pray. Father, bless the time, bless the hour now. Thank you for those who are here this evening. And speak to our hearts the preaching of your word. May Christ be honored and glorified. May we lift up our Savior. And as we live this life on this sphere, Lord, may we seek to glorify you. That when it does come the end of our days, they can talk about us and the Christ we served. Bless now our time. In Jesus' name, amen. What Solomon is talking about here in this section as he starts a new paragraph in verse number 7. In life, there's two ways to do things. You can go for the long haul or you can take the shortcuts. When I was a young man, starting off in the plumbing trade, uh, I was learning a lot of things. And I, I'm thankful for the old men that I knew in the plumbing trade who were always willing to help me and teach me things. Uh, what the men I worked with. And then there were the old men who hung around the supply house. They retired, and all they did is stand in that supply house and drink coffee all day and, and chew the fat. But I would go in there with an old plumbing part and say, and I'd say listen, I need this, this, this stem here. And, and because you always have to bring the stem with you because there's 10,000 stems out there, and one's different from the other. And, and uh, the old guy would walk in and say, Matt, let me show you something. Let me, let me teach you something. I'm, not, I'm teaching this to you. I'm not going to tell it to these other knuckleheads around here because they don't listen. But you'll listen, and let me show you something. They would tell me some things that helped me to understand the plumbing trade as a very young man. And sometimes when I work with other guys, they say, listen, we're going to do this the hard way. We're going to do this the proper way. There's a shortcut to doing this, but for now, we're going to teach you the, the proper and long way so you know how to do that. And then later on, I'll show you the shortcut that you'll use on occasion. But it's important that you know how to do this properly because there's a lot of knuckleheads. They always like that word knucklehead back in the day. There's a lot of knuckleheads out there don't know how to do this. They're, they're, they're shoemakers. No offense to any shoemakers here tonight, but that's an old expression for somebody who just is just a, not a good tradesman. And so a good tradesman will do things properly. And we always don't want to do the shortcuts. There comes time for shortcuts, but then we'll miss things along the way, and we don't do it properly. Solomon is talking here, he says, verse 7, Surely oppression maketh a wise man mad, and a gift destroyeth the heart. In life, again, we can have an easy route, which often becomes expensive detours because they're difficult and painful. Solomon as king, and what we've seen Solomon do is disguise himself and go down to the marketplaces. He's disguised himself. He's gone down to the courthouse so nobody recognizes him. And he watches what men are doing. And no matter how good a kingdom may be, there's always corruption somewhere to be found. There's always crooked and perverse men. Men guilty of bribes and kickbacks and payoffs. And, and you, we, can, we can have the greatest president on planet Earth who wants a good government. But the thing is such a behemoth that there's always these, these scoundrels in there and, and, and doing things. A building collapsed in, in Florida, I remember a year or two ago, I remember that apartment building collapsed and several people were killed. And they never really did get an answer, but they really did what they figured out. Was somebody was taking shortcuts on that building, which eventually caused lives. The town of Kearney built a fire department slash police department in South Kearney back in the 1980s. as a brand new facility. I remember going there and looking, this is a beautiful building. You've got a police department on one side, and the fire department on the other side. But there was a problem. The building was sinking into the ground. And you can see it. And you walk in the building and you can see the building sinking. And so much so that the doors were, the glass in the door were actually cracking because the building was crushing the door and, and glass was bursting out. So the town went to the builder and said, what did you do? What kind of building did you build us here? And they said, well, we built it to code. Your building inspector signed off on what we were doing. And they went to the building inspector, and to find him, they had to go to the cemetery because he had died. You say, what happened? My friend, it's simple. They took shortcuts, and money was handed off, and these shortcuts were approved. There were not enough pilings put into that meadow ground, that, that swamp area down there, to hold the building up. And so, again, Carney was stuck with a building that, with nobody being held responsible, millions of dollars lost to the Carney taxpayers. You never hear about that in the newspaper, but that building's still sitting down there, and they've done some things to help prop it up. 
What he's saying, he says, surely oppression maketh a wise man mad. Now that expression means that evil and corruption will make wise people or good people very angry. We see the corruption. I, I want honesty. I want things done right. I want things done properly. And yet I watch the corruption. I watch what people are doing. And I see all these things. Uh, and the word oppression is used here. But it's the idea, again, that in, in you're seeing people doing things illegally. Maybe a judge has been paid off and he's, and he's not passing judgment properly. And, and somebody's getting away with murder almost. Or we see other things where innocent people are being oppressed by some cor corrupt government officials and they're going after people. That type of oppression, he says, makes a wise man, a smart man, a good man very angry. This ought not to be. This is not right. This is not justice. And Solomon the king is observing this. and He's watching what people are doing. He continues, he says, And a gift destroyeth the heart. Proverbs uses this phrase, Ecclesiastes uses this phrase, the idea of a gift. And he's not talking about a Christmas or a birthday present. The idea of a gift is bribery, paying somebody off, slipping somebody some money so that whatever you want can get done. And my friend, this is how a lot of the business world operates. I have a friend who's a Christian friend and, and has a good business, but I, we're sitting there in his office one day. And again, he's a very godly man, but he says, you know, we had to go down to the official and we had to basically slip him some money because they were wanting money to pass off on the job or else the job never would have been signed off on and it would have sat there in limbo until we paid off the politicians or the officials. He says, sadly, it's part of the business world and what we have to do with. We have to take into account the expense, the insurances, this, that, and the thing, and the bribery money. A gift destroyeth the heart. We see this going on. I'm like, that's not right. You should do your job. You're getting paid to do this and go on with your job. You shouldn't be expecting anything else in this. We had a thing here in town years ago, back in the early 1980s, where the mayor, the chief of police, a couple councilmen, the judge, and a whole handful of other people all went to jail because they were running a, 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 a scheme here in town where they were milking the taxpayers. They bought the um, tool and die company, or Stanley Tool Company, I think is what it called. Don't hold me to the name. But the present-day police department used to be a factory. The corrupt officials in town bought that thing for a song under an assumed name. And then they sold it to the town. They sold it to themselves, basically, <laughs> for three times the profit. And so Carney paid... Just using numbers, they paid $300,000 for it, and they sold it to Carney for a million dollars, and they all walked away with this money in their pockets. The mayor, the chief of police, the judge, and several councilmen, and a whole host, even my neighbor next door was involved in this. We wonder why they moved in the middle of the night to Florida. Where'd, where'd, where'd they go? Why'd they move to Florida in the middle of the night? We're gone. Goodbye. And like, it took me a couple of years before we put all the pieces together that they were involved in the whole racketeering scheme that was going on here in town. They're, and what set it off, what caught them is that Mace Brothers Furniture wanted to tear down his property and build a new furniture store. The men in charge said, you can do it, and this is the kickback money. He said, fine. Then they went back later on and said, I'm sorry, the kickback money has gone up, which ticked off Mr. Mace, and Mr. Mace contacted some people in, the, in Trenton, a sting operation was set up, and one day the state police walked in, handcuffed the mayor, the chief of police, the councilman, and, and sent them off to jail for a couple of years. And I'm a young man, I'm thinking, how is it? I, I voted for these people. These people are supposed to be honest. These people are supposed to be watching out for me, and they're corrupt. And so when we see in seven, he's a gift destroyeth the heart. The idea of bribery and kickbacks, that it discourages us. And think, well, why are we bothering with this? If everybody's on the take, if everybody's grabbing, if everybody's stealing, it, 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 it bothers us. So bribery appears to be a quick way to get things done. But it only turns a wise man into a fool and encourages the corruption already that's in the human heart. It doesn't take much for this 
sinful heart to, to be taken over by these things. He says in verse number 8, Better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof, and the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Far better that we wait patiently and humbly for God to work things out. And, and, and He will, and God will always work things out. And it's better for that than for us to get angry. I don't watch the news a whole lot. You know why? I get angry. <laughs> I get angry. I'm sitting there watching what's going on in my country. I'm like, this is insane. Uh, we're in some kind of bizarro world. This, none of this makes sense. This is wrong. How, do, how does this go on? This shouldn't be. And so I, I can't watch this anymore. Because me watching it, by the way, doesn't fix anything. It just makes me angry. And I want to smash my TV, and I can't afford a new TV, so I, I don't smash the TV. So I just turn it off, and I'll read something or do something else instead of watching the news. God is going to deal with all these, the corruption. Everybody will stand before God one day to give an account, and they're not going to get away with anything. We see this played out in, our, in, in Scripture, talks about this. Uh, if you will look at Proverbs chapter number 14. Proverbs chapter number 14. My friend, we are, we, you see road rage videos, you see people getting angry and getting out smashing cars. Saw one video where some lady got out and started shooting somebody because she thought they cut them off. People, it's, it's an angry world out there. And a Christian ought not to be an angry person. We ought to be able to control our spirit. He says in Proverbs 14, verse number 17, He that is soon angry dealeth foolishly, and a man of wicked devices is hated. Listen, you and I will never do anything good when we're angry. Everything we say, every action we take in our anger will end up costing us more than we thought we'd ever have to pay. It's always better to wait for us to calm down and collect ourselves and then deal with something and then in dealing with in our anger. And sometimes there's no sense to get angry over something, yet we see it all the time, people blowing up and getting angry. So one lady flipping out because McDonald's didn't have chicken nuggets and she was screaming and smashing the drive through window because they didn't have chicken nuggets. Only in America, these psychos get because... And by the way, you're better off not eating those chicken nuggets. You'll live longer. Just go down the street and go to, uh, go to the uh, Chick-fil-A and get us some gospel bird down there. And, and <laughs> um, except on Sundays, you have to starve on Sundays. I'm only kidding, but understand something. that you, There's no sense in getting angry. And the Bible condemns anger. Why are you getting angry over these things? Control your emotions. My father was always an angry man, always screaming and yelling. And it's like, Dad, why are you angry? It's like, what's the problem? Nothing is, is, is wrong here, and yet you're angry all the time, screaming and yelling, trying to kick the dog. It's like, calm down. He also says in Proverbs chapter number 16, Proverbs 16, 32, He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he that ruleth his spirit, and he that taketh a city. If you can control your anger, if you can control your emotions, and, and do that, you're better than, than uh, the greatest warrior who was ever able to conquer a city. Because you're able to conquer your emotions. And so often people can't, I just couldn't help myself. No, no, no don't, that's a lie. You can always control yourself. You just chose not to control yourself and let yourself blow up and, and act foolishly. So again, armies who go in and conquer mighty cities and are able to figure out how we can attack this city with as little loss as possible, they may take that city and conquer it. And he says, you're better because you are able to control your anger, control your emotions. He goes back in Ecclesiastes, if we jump back to Ecclesiastes, he says again, better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof, and patience in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. What he's letting us know here 
is that in our life, that the beginning of sin leads to a terrible end. If we start off on the wrong foot, generally, bad things will happen. But if we have God at the beginning of something, things usually end well. We think of people in Scripture who started off. We think of the prodigal son that the Lord taught us about. How did he start off? Well, he left, took his inheritance, and, and went into the far country. And there he was living it up the party lifestyle. He had wine, women, and song. He had everything going for them in the far country and living it up and enjoying everything. But my friend, he started off, it was wrong. He left with the wrong attitude and the wrong heart against his father and, and, it was, and wasted his inheritance. And when the money ran out, well, guess what? The friends and the women ran out. They always will. As long as you're good time Charlie and buying the rounds, you're everybody's friend. My grandfather was an alcoholic. Both of my grandfathers were alcoholics. And they both drank themselves to an early death, leaving their families behind. But my mother's father, my mom would tell me the stories that, you know, that her father, would, there was two bars in town. One was down the street here called the Mouse Trap. It's no longer there, praise the Lord. And the other one was on Schuyler Ave called Dorn's Tavern. That's where, those were his hangouts. My mother referred to the Mouse Trap as the Rat Trap. She always called it the Rat Trap, which is a proper name for it. And she said he would sit at that bar and he would buy everybody drinks. And everybody loved Archie because Archie was just good time and, and, and buying everybody the drinks. The only problem was is Archie was spending the, the, the grocery money and, and, and the money for clothes and, and the money for bills. And, and Archie came home with nothing. And on his deathbed, and when he died, by the way, none of those friends showed up and they never will. They never do show up. When my brother passed away, none of his friends that he lived with and, or hung out with in his sinful lifestyle came to the funeral. He was surrounded by those who, his brothers and his sisters and his parents and uncles and aunts and other relatives and other old friends who knew him back in the day were there. But that crowd doesn't show up because they only like you as long as you're supplying for them. The prodigal son started off on the wrong foot, and he ended up where? In the hog pen. That's, so we're going to start off life, and we start off on the wrong foot, so to speak, away from God, not doing what our parents tell us to do, not doing what God wants us to do. Make sure that what God is letting you know here, that what's going to happen to you is you're going to end up in a place you, it's worse than the beginning. Now we can look at other men in the Bible. We can take a look at a man like Joseph. Joseph started off on a good foot. He loved the Lord. He loved the, his family. He loved his father. And yet he ends up being thrown into a ditch. They tr almost thought about murdering him. They sold him into slavery. And in slavery, he's, he's accused of, 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 of rape falsely by Mrs. Potiphar. And instead of spending two more years in jail. And all those time, but Joseph did what? He kept doing the right thing. He kept doing what was right. And at the end of the day, when it was all said and done, there he is, second in command, taking care of Egypt and feeding the world. It's always good to start off on a right foot, even when in the middle of it, things are falling apart around you. Why am I serving God? Everything's falling apart. Just keep going. Just keep going. At the end of the day, this will turn out well. will turn out right. Funny story, you know, I had a friend, Scott. Now, Scott got his Easter chocolate at Easter time. And back in the day, we always got these large chocolate solid rabbits. Then they were about a, I said this for my wife's sake, they're about three feet tall, and they're just one piece of solid chocolate. We all got them. Everybody got a chocolate rabbit as kids back in those days. But Scott, normal human beings, it was gone in a week. But Scott put his in the basement freezer. And so come July, we're in his basement and playing and doing something. Who wants a piece of chocolate? Chocolate? Yeah. And he opens the refrigerator, and there he's got his, his chocolate rabbit from, from April or March. It's all frozen. So we're sitting down in the basement, <coughs> you know, snapping off this frozen chocolate. And then we're like, hey, Scott, your mom got any sandwiches? Said, yeah. See if mom makes it. And so while he's upstairs making sandwiches, we're opening the freezer, chopping up more of his rabbit and, <laughs> and eating his rabbit. 
By the way, there wasn't a chocolate shortage back then. This is the 1970s. There was plenty of chocolate all over Carney, but Scott had this hoarder mentality that he was doing, really doing something by saving his chocolate. I mean, if there's Van Halton's chocolate store on Carney Avenue, and every, every corner deli had candy bars, and so it's not like we were, I've got to wait till next, next Easter to get another piece of chocolate. It's like, it's, it's, I, don't, I don't really know. We don't know what he was thinking. But my friend Frank and I, who were guilty of eating all of Scott's chocolate, <laughs> since he's not eating it, we might as well eat it. And so we ate his, so we put it back in the freezer, and then he could be screaming and yelling about his chocolate. Your brother's probably ate it. Yeah, my brother's, yeah. And so we, <laughs> you say you lied. Yeah, that was a long time ago. It's under the blood now. So here we are. You say, What's your, where, where are you going with this story? Well, Frank and I, my friend, other friend, we have this saying in life about people that they ate all their chocolate at the beginning. They didn't save any. You say, what, what do you mean by that? Well, we look back upon people. We see people we know now who, who lived very, who started off like the prodigal. And, and, and life has not turned out so well for them. Life has been very difficult. Life has been very hard. And they wear the scars of their life because of all their sinful indulgences. And so every now and then I'll see somebody, I'll say, Frank, here's so-and-so. He goes, wow. He goes, they ate all their chocolate the first week. They didn't save any. So this is the thing we have between each other. So if you see Frank and I, it's like, Frank, they didn't save their chocolate. No, they didn't save their chocolate. Now, my friend, that's a long way around the barn. And using a comical illustration to say that in life, we start off on the right foot doing what's right. It's better, it's going to be better for us at the end as well. Maybe difficult in the beginning, but doing right always has its blessings. It always has its rewards at the end. So again, Satan, our enemy, always wants to get the sinner and lead the sinner with the best intentions, so to speak, but it's going to lead to death. The wages of sin is always death. That's always the price tag for that. It never changes. He says in verse number 10, Say not thou, what is the cause of that the former days were better than, than these? For thou dost not inquire wisely concerning this. When life is difficult and, and we're impatient for change, and life, my friend, is, can always be difficult, there is an expression people use. Back in the good old days. Let me help you with something. There's no such thing as good old days. There's just the days that were. What happens is we forget all the bad and just the good stays in our mind. That's what happens. And if I think long enough, I say, oh, I'd like to go back and do that again. Then I can think about all the things that were going on back then, all the difficulties, all the heartaches, all the struggles. And I say, you know, maybe it wasn't so good. So, oh, back in the good old days, years ago. Well, listen, back in the good old days, they didn't even have aspirins. I don't want to go back there. I like aspirins. Amen. My back hurts a lot. Aspirins help me. I don't know what I'd be doing if this was 1880 and I got, you know, oh, those are the good old days. You know, no, they, listen, they weren't so good. We've got all these cars with pollution. There was other sources of pollution on the street back then that you actually had to clean up, okay? I'm not going to go into details, but you figure it out. All right, so there was, and back in the good old days, when it's 20 below out, you had to go outside at night. When, 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 when nature called. I, I don't know. That's not good to me. I like a warm bathroom, amen. I, I'm not trying to get rough here, but it, it wasn't. And back in the, you wonder why people got sick years ago? Because, again, they had a thing called chamber pots, and what they did in the morning is they went out to the curb, and everybody emptied the chamber pots in the curbs. It stunk. Oh, the fresh air back. Oh, it stunk. Oh, the good old days. No, it looks good in a magazine when everybody's walking down the street and they're all looking pretty in, in their 
old-fashioned clothing, but it stunk, and they didn't have aspirins, and there's other problems going on. And there's always been sin problems. We can complain about what we're going on today, but I, I, you know, I like today. I'm not looking forward to going back to any other time. I like today. Now, Solomon's not telling us about yearning for the good old days, but what he's letting us know is that in life, we become impatient. And I want something better. And, and back then, it was so much better back then. You know, I know young people get tired of hearing this. Back in the old days, you know, you can get a candy bar, and it was this big for only five cents. Listen, back in my day, I can walk down to Walsh's Deli down the street here. I, I can get a Hershey bar. I can get one of those Hostess apple pies. I can get a Coca-Cola and, and, and a bag of chips and some Swedish fish. And, uh, and uh, what else did we buy back then? We'd get one of them Charleston shoes, all for 50 cents. You can't do that today. There's too many cameras. And so... We talk about the good old days and, 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 and things of years gone by. <laughs> you all right, Joe? <laughs> Joe has no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so here we are. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> no, Joe did very well. He retired and moved on down the shore. And Joe did, Joe did very well <laughs> in spite of what took place. <laughs> you watch Joe over there. And, and I won't go into it. But anyway. We yearn for these days and times, but understand something. In life, life is life, and, and things happen all the time. I remember playing as kids. We're on Kingsland Avenue. We're having a good time down there in the, in, in, in the what was, it, was the original Franklin School, and that building down there in the corner was the original Franklin School. We're playing basketball, messing around. My friend lived on Kingsland Avenue. And all of a sudden, an ambulance came around the corner, and, and my friend screamed, my mother, and he took off running. I was like, what do you mean, your mother? What's he, what's he talking about? Frank, what's, what's, what's he talking about? And Frank rolled his eyes and says, well, his mother's an alcoholic. And the police were there to get her because she was, went into an alcoholic coma. Here we are. We're... we're 14 years old, we're, we're kids, we're babies. My friend, as we're in the plane, he has to go home and he's got a mother who's an alcoholic and drinking herself to death. And she was drinking herself to death because she couldn't stand her husband who was an abusive gambler and everything else. It was a, it was a very hard home. It was a very difficult home. In life, again, we think about life and what goes on. We become impatient for change. And we think it was better back in the... My friend, things are always changing. I saw a picture yesterday, somebody posted on the internet, and it's taken down the street here in the, in the parking lot of where... Uh, I'm trying to think what's there now. It's basically where the hook and reel is and the... Uh, and uh, what's, there's a couple other stores in there and where the, tar the target is now. That picture was taken probably 20 years ago. And I was looking at the background of all the stores. There's not one store in that picture that exists today. They're all gone. Frank's Pizzeria, Baskin's Robbins, CVS, the grocery store, uh, Radio Shack, Walmart, uh, some other clothing store, nine, nine something or other, I forget what it was. They're all gone. Life is always changing. Nothing ever stays the same. It's always, oh, back that was a good store. What happened to them people? They died. Okay, that's what happened to them, and, and new people took over. It's called life. In the Bible, we read in the book of Ezra, we did this a year or two ago, when the foundation was laid for the second temple. They're back in Israel. They're building their second temple. They put the foundation in. And the Bible says that the old men wept when they saw the foundation, and the young people rejoiced. Because the old people were going, well, we remember the old temple. It was so much better than this place. This is a rinky-dink temple, but we had a big temple. This is no good. And young men were like, yeah, we got a temple going. It's exciting. And you get these old guys over here moaning, going, back in the old days. It was, well, back in the old days, God had to destroy it because you people were so sinful and wicked. God knocked it down. <laughs> And now these guys are building something. Don't be a wet blanket. Rejoice with them. 
It has been said that the good old days are a combination of a bad memory and a good imagination. And often, my friend, that is true. Again, we all have good memories of things that took place long ago. But the, if you think hard, you'll think about all the heartache that you were also going through at that point in time. Again, this doesn't mean that we, should, we shouldn't learn from the past or that we shouldn't prepare for the future because both are important. We learn from both, and I'm preparing for the future. Nothing wrong with that. I hope to have a, a bunch of good years in front of me. I don't know how many the Lord will give me, but I hope to have a, a bunch of more years in front of me. I'm preparing in a lot of ways for the future. We have grandkids coming, and, and, uh, and it's just exciting to see what God's doing. But Solomon is letting us know here, we must live for today, and we must live for today in the will of God, and not be paralyzed by yesterday, or be hypnotized by tomorrow, because this is all you have is now. Jesus said that you worry about today because this is all you have. Tomorrow's gone and, and you might not be here to, tomorrow to live it. Nobody's guaranteed tomorrow. So Jesus said, there's enough evil in today. Worry about today. Who do you think's going to win in November? I don't know. Are you stressed about it? No. Because I've been stressed about elections in the past, and none of my stressing has fixed anything. And even when somebody did good get in there, that wasn't a proper English phrase, but I speak good English sometimes, me good. Uh, sometimes, when, when, when we did have a good president, again, yay, but it ends. And then you get some bum in there. So again, Psalm is letting us know that we must, again, enjoy today. Somebody once said that while we're dreaming of the future or regretting the past, the present which you have slips from you and is gone. Enjoy today. Miss Carla's here tonight. She's got her little daughter, Gloria. What a blessing. Uh, I'm not, I don't know, I'm just using you as an illustration tonight. You got Gloria, you enjoy Gloria because this is it's a wonderful year, wonderful times. She'll be a teenager soon enough, and she'll do teenage things soon enough. And, 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 and she was a baby, and she's not going to be a baby anymore. This is, this is, enjoy every phase of life that God gives us. Because every phase of life has its wonders in it. Oh, I remember my kids were small. I wish I could go back. No, you don't, because you weren't sleeping at night, because they were screaming up at 2 o'clock in the morning. Amen? It's just a, and uh, it's like, Renee, it's your turn to get up. You sure? I think I did it last time. Now it's your turn. Really? But I have to get up for work in the morning. You stay home with the kids. And but then sometimes she would get up, and most times she did because she said, no, I want to get up. I want to spend time with my babies. And she would get up in the middle of the night, and she'd be in the room with the babies and taking her because she knew that they're not going to be babies forever. And so she spent time with those kids, all four of our children, and uh, because, again, those are precious moments. Those precious moments are over. Now we're dealing with other things in life. She gets up and takes care of me when I'm sick in the middle of the night. And, uh, and she does, by the way. She dotes on me hand to foot when I get sick. Because everybody knows when you get a man cold, that's a serious illness, amen. That's, that's, that's far worse than anything else a woman can ever go through is when a man is sick. So women need to understand that. This thing on? Hello? All right. <laughs> Thank you. No. In life, again, we have to enjoy the present. And Solomon, in his wisdom, is watching. And he's looking at people and what they're doing. And he's like, you guys are missing the, the whole thing here. You're bribing, getting this money. And there was a guy in Harrison. Some of you remember this story? He read the meters. And he collected the money from the meters. He retired. Moved down the shore. Had a nice house down the shore. The only problem is the, the, the guy they hired next to, to collect the meters was an honest man. And they found out that the revenue from the meters was a lot more. There's more money coming in from the meters than from the last guy. The last guy was one quarter for the town, ten for me. And so he was skimming the money, and they 
did all the book work and did everything else, and there's no way, buddy, you, you, you stole from the town. They arrested him. He went to jail for stealing quarters for 25 years there in Harrison. Good old Harrison, an uncorruptible town, just like Carney. <laughs> what did that man do? He was planning for the future to live it up, but it was short-lived because he was a crook. He was a criminal, stealing. You say, well, everybody else steals. Well, just because they do, my friend, doesn't make it right. And my friend, you might just be the one who is the scapegoat and goes for everybody else, and you'll take the hit. So again, Solomon's trying to give us wisdom here. He's trying to help us with life. He says in verse number 11, Wisdom is good with an inheritance, and by it there is profit to them that see the sun. One of the marks of maturity is the ability to look at life in perspective and not get out of balance. When we have God's wisdom, you'll be able to accept and deal with changing experiences of life. And again, life always has, life's always changing. In verses 11 and 12, he's talking about wealth. What's better than money? You know what's better than money? Wisdom. Wisdom is better than a generous inheritance. Money can lose its value or it can be stolen. But true wisdom keeps its value and cannot be lost unless we become fools and abandon it deliberately. The person who has wealth but lacks wisdom will only waste his fortune. I forget where this was. What, I think it had to be California. Not only California does this nonsense. They were handing out $10,000 to single mothers in California. It's a lot of money. And they did some investigating. And one lady used a $10,000. She didn't better her home, didn't invest it, try to help her family. No, she went on a $10,000 Miami vacation. This is, she had, you're giving money to fools. Our money, by the way. <laughs> Taxpayer money. Years ago in Florida, there was a massive heat wave. So they gave everybody who was poor an air conditioner. Come the fall, when the heat wave was over, you know what the pawn shops were overloaded with? Air conditioners. They were basically trying to, they wouldn't take them anymore. We got, we got, I got 50 of them here on the wall. I'm not taking no more air conditioners. You're giving money, I hate to say it, but it sounds mean, you're giving money to fools. I'm not saying poor people are fools, but if we don't have wisdom and we give people money, it's, you're just wasting it. You're just going to throw it out the window. And Solomon is letting us know that. Wisdom is good with an inheritance, and by it there is profit to them to see the sun. For wisdom is a defense, and money is a defense. But the excellency of knowledge is that wisdom giveth life to them that have it. So when we have wisdom, wisdom will help us a whole lot more than, than money will if we have no wisdom. Wisdom and money can be a wonderful thing, can be greatly used, and, and, and become a, a great blessing. We should be grateful for the rich treasures of wisdom that we've inherited from other people. I'm thankful for the wisdom of people older than me who taught me things. Matt, listen, just pay attention to this. I'm going to teach you something. I better pay attention. Something good is coming. They're going to teach me something right now. I better learn from this. I said, ah, I don't need to listen to that old guy. What's he know? They know a lot. <laughs> they got a lot of life experience. That gray hair means wisdom. And the Bible tells us in Proverbs, despise not the hoary head. That word hoary means white. Despise not the white-headed people. They got, there's wisdom in there. And today we throw away the old people and listen to some knucklehead who doesn't know anything. Wisdom is a shelter to those who obey it and it gives greater protection than money. Because we know how to, what to expect in life. Quickly moving along, verse number 13. Consider the work of God, for who can make that straight which, is, which he hath made crooked? One old preacher said this, learn to cooperate with the inevitable. There are some things in life that are inevitable. You're not going to change it. It just is what it is. And we've got to learn to deal with it. What we have to do is learn what God is doing and fall in line with it. This is what God's doing. 
I may not understand it, I may not even like it, but I know God's doing it, then this is what God knows better than I do. Stop trying to fight God. This is, what, this, is what, this is where we're going with this. And the best thing I can do is go with the program or go with the flow. Again, this is not to have a fatalistic attitude, but it's a, sense, it's a sensible invitation to a life that's yielded to the will of God. What's God want for my life? And then I'm going to fight God. No, God's like, no, this is where I want you. And you're going to get here, by the way. And you can fight me the entire way, but you will get here. Now, why don't I just go along with God in the first place? I'll enjoy it a whole lot better instead of fighting with him the entire time in life. If God makes something crooked, he's able to make it straight, and perhaps he will also ask us to work with him to get the job done. But if God wants something to stay crooked, my friend, we better not argue with him. The Alcoholics Anonymous, I don't agree with everything they do, but they have a saying, they say at every meeting, where they say, you know, uh, God give us serenity to accept what we cannot change and courage to change what should be changed and wisdom to distinguish the one from the other. So God give me wisdom to understand what I can change and what I can't change. And if I can change it, let me do it. And if it's not going to be changed, then let me know that so I can walk away and not waste my time on it. That's wisdom. Again, there's some things in life we're not going to change. Some things we can. And the best thing you pray to God and say, God, now what am I supposed to be doing here? Give me wisdom in this department. And in verse 14, he says, In the day of prosperity, be joyful. But in the day of adversity, consider God also has set the one over against the other to the end that man should find nothing after him. Wisdom gives us a perspective so that we aren't discouraged when times are difficult or arrogant when things aren't going well. Now, my friend, if, if things aren't going well in your life, you can have a tendency to become angry, bitter, and, have a, and, and, and just be arrogant. And it's not what God wants for you. It's, it takes a good deal of spirituality to accept prosperity as well as adversity. For often prosperity does great damage. Remember Job, who received all, basically the, all the bad things in his life. He, he, his family was killed, his money was gone, his health was gone, his property was gone. And his wife said, you know, why don't you curse God and die? And what did Job say? He said, shall we receive good at the hand of God, and, and shall we not receive the evil? If God allows us, if God gave me good things and I enjoyed it and I enjoyed the prosperity... Now, if God's brought this into my life, adversity, well, i got to learn to deal with the adversity. Because, my friend, you grow and mature and gain wisdom in the adversity. You really don't get the wisdom in the prosperity part of it. You're just enjoying it. But in the adversity is where you put the hard work in, the sweat, the toil, the prayers, and everything else is where you're... Moving forward, and you gain all the wisdom of what to do and what not to do. God balances our lives by giving us enough blessings to keep us happy, and He also gives us enough burdens to keep us humble. And if we didn't have those burdens, we wouldn't pray as much, and we wouldn't go to church as much, and we wouldn't read our Bibles as much, and depend upon God as much if things were always just wonderful and happy. You know that. Fairy tale princesses. They meet the prince and they live happily ever after. It's a wonderful story. But my friend, every life has its problems, its heartaches, and its struggles. And two people can love themselves to death, but they're still going to have problems and, 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 and adversities in their life. And why does God do these things? Again, the answer is simple to keep us from thinking we know it all and we can manage our lives by ourselves. Again, verse 14, in the day of prosperity, be joyful. But in the day of adversity, consider God also has set the one over against the other so that at the end, the man should find nothing after him. Just about the time we think we have an explanation for things, God changes the situation so we have to throw out our formula. And this is where Job's friends went wrong. They tried to use an old roadmap to 
guide Job on a brand new journey, and that map didn't fit them. It didn't work. And they didn't know what God was doing, and they tried to tell Job what they thought God was doing. And they had no clue in life. No matter how much experience we have in Christian life or how many books we read, at the end of the day, the Bible tells us four times in our Bible that the just shall live by faith. I'm trusting God. Because this map I have now, this is last year's map. And they've rearranged the highways and changed the highways and moved roads. And so this map is no good no more. So I need God every day to help me and direct me to walk this course that I have to do. So again, we, we're walking by faith. Everything's always by faith. I have to trust God through this journey. And no matter what happens. So when I see the wicked prospering and them getting bribes and payoffs and kickbacks and I'm getting angry about it, am I to join them? No, I'm to still stay righteous and keep doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Am I to uh, look at life and think, oh, the good old days? And, and No, I'm, I'm in the present moment. I'm enjoying the present that God has given to me in life. And that's where wisdom is. And again, Solomon is sitting there in the marketplaces or wherever he's at right now watching life. He's watching the people. He's watching everything. He's like, they, they're missing it all. They're missing what God's trying to do in their life. They're grabbing, they're stealing, they're robbing, they're being crooked, they're doing this, they're, and it, it, it just, it's, they're not considering the end of all this. So in our lives, we need to always include God on a daily basis, wake up with God, walk with God throughout the day, and at the end of the day, we lay our head on the pillow and say, thank God for guiding me through this day, through all my heartaches, disappointments, and, 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 and the blessings throughout the day. And Lord, just give me a good night's rest so to wake up tomorrow and face what tomorrow may hold and trust God in that time let's stand together for prayer Father in heaven we do thank you for your goodness and mercy we thank you for Jesus Christ who loves us thank you for this book and Lord Solomon wrote this some 3,000 years ago almost and yet his wisdom is still true today because nothing has changed the heart of men is still perverse crooked Officials and people still looking for bribes and kickbacks and payoffs. And Lord, they can't take it with them. Nothing will ever leave this earth with them. So help us to walk honestly and humbly before you, to trust you through the good times and the bad times, to enjoy the many blessings, and to learn from the adversities that we